Hey there! Welcome to Dirt Rich, seasonal conversations about food and farming. I'm Katie Federal, and today I'm talking to my coworker, Kent Solberg. He's a farmer and senior technical advisor for the Sustainable Farming Association. You'll hear him share his thoughts on the challenges and opportunities presented to farmers during the pandemic and optimism for the regenerative agriculture movement. Hey, Katie. How are you doing? Hey, Kent. I'm doing all right. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, I get to be home, eat home-cooked meals, not on the road, no more road food, sleeping better in my own bed. Life's good. So. Well, that's great to hear. How has your work transition been? I think life's a little more balanced uh, right now um, than it was. The, the travel schedule was pretty intense uh, from November until early March. And so, yeah, uh, getting, getting custom to Zoom meeting and conference calls like everybody else, but that's okay. Are you continuing on with your farm and soil health consultations from a distance? Absolutely. Um, you know, the farmers that we've had some face-to-face time with, uh, we've already kind of built that reputation. Everybody understands where we are in the current events in the world right now. It's, it's, it works. We can make it work. Mostly it's handling specific situations. And uh, yeah, you hear some excitement about folks wanting to get in the field and, and that's important and that's good. Uh, we need some hope uh, right now with all the uncertainty and all the change that's out there. Absolutely. It's good to hear some optimism remains in the face of all of these different challenges. What else are you noticing these folks experience? Um, you know, they're, they're having to adjust. They're having to change. Um, current world events are really going through a hard reset for, for everybody. Um, for producers who are commodity producers, it, it's a struggle. Markets have, have tanked. Uh, across the board. Um, but, you know, being farmers, we're optimistic when spring comes and, and looking forward to another growing season. And so there, there's this sense of fear and uncertainty that's kind of having this tug of war with, with it's spring and we got to get going and it's another growing season. And, and uh, we're going to do our best uh, this year to make things happen. And so, yeah, that, that's tough, uh, but it's, it's doable. And I think um, when there is a hard reset, like we're going through right now, um, people tend to return to their default settings and really focus on the basics of life and society. This includes things like family, community, uh, food, uh, which we'll talk more about here in a little bit, and even faith. Um, and, and we do have to choose. Uh, we can view this reset either in despair or as an opportunity. You know, all of us have to deal with major changes in life. And right now we're losing uh, things, hopefully temporary and not permanently, things we formerly enjoyed. And maybe that's a job or income or, heaven forbid, family members. These are hard things. And I don't want to belittle this at all. I don't want to come across with that kind of that happy clappy everything's great and I don't want to come across you know with kind of the chicken little mentality the sky is falling I think we're somewhere in between um, but if we have losses we need to grieve those losses but I heard some good advice uh, in the last few weeks uh, uh, saying you know if, if this is a struggle um, reach out reach out and try and help somebody else can you get groceries for somebody can you run and get a prescription can you you know do they, what do they need help with, you know, uh, 
you know, anything that we can do. I think it takes the focus off us and puts it on someone else. And that's healthy, healthy uh, for them. It's healthy for us. It's healthy for our communities. It's healthy for our families. Uh, and, I, and I think it gives us a way um, to move forward uh, uh, and help deal with some of the grief and loss uh, because it's been huge. I mean, restaurants have closed. Many of these may never open again. Food purchases are focusing on bare essentials and it's totally taxing the system. Um, seed guarding supply sales are exploding and many places are sold out. Uh, and people are, are thinking through again, the globalized food system, the just-in-time inventory, uh, and really asking a lot of hard questions. And that's creating opportunities for farmers. Hmm. What are you seeing in those hard questions? We need to think maybe about moving from being such a consumer society to maybe more of a producer society. None of us are ever going to be truly or fully independent. That's just, that's just not realistic, okay? We're, we're designed, we're built, we're wired to live in community and society. But when we're utterly dependent upon this just-in-time inventory system and on a paycheck and on, you, you know, the ATM machine working or that debit or credit card working, we kind of paint ourselves into a corner. We're really enslaving ourselves in some way as being dependents. And, and maybe this is a wake-up call you know, right now with this restart to say, you know, that's probably not the best place to be. We need to look to our communities. We need to look to ourselves, if at all possible, in, in, in being a producer. And, and even in agriculture, farmers have often prided themselves as being independent, you know, hardworking yeoman farmers. And that's, that's a great place to be. But all of us, you know, we didn't manufacture the tractor that we're running. We didn't distill the diesel fuel we put in our tractor. Uh, a lot of us are buying traded seed from a company that has copyright on that stuff. Um, many of us don't have livestock on the farm or even grow legumes in a rotation to produce our own fertilizer. And so we're buying all those inputs, which kind of puts us more in the consumer category uh, or the dependent category. And I think we've seen not only right now, and this, this is the hard wake up call, but in the last five or six years, especially in commodity production, um, it's been a dependent system. It worked for a while, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. It worked really, really well. Um, some people made some really serious money at that time. It was clicking, but it hasn't been working well recently. And there's not a lot of hope that that model will work on the horizon. And yet at the same time, we've had this rise of, of knowledge base and research and information in the regenerative farming movement and in soil health saying, you know what, we could do a lot of those things for ourselves. We could uh, increase diversity in our crop rotation and help keep pest problems down. We can um, sequester carbon and nitrogen out of the atmosphere and generate our own fertilizer. As we rebuild soil health, the natural system starts to work. You mentioned commodity agriculture and the bleak outlook of that system continuing to work for farmers. How are they adapting? You know, I, I've talked to a number of farmers this winter who lost 100 to over $150 an acre on corn and beans last year. And that's a lot of money. And if we're willing 
and, and, and those, I asked those farmers, so that, that was horrible. What are you going to do this year? And they're like, well, same thing. And it's like, okay, if you're willing to risk that kind of loss and, and, you know, corn prices were, you know, they got maybe 348 something for their corn and soybeans, you know, we're already in the $2 corn range, the high $2 corn range. And, and some people are afraid it might go worse. What can we do different with those acres? doesn't have to be every acre. Take a 10, take a 20, take a 40 acre piece, take an 80. What are you comfortable with? Can you work with somebody else who's got livestock? Lease it out for custom grazing. A couple years of intense effort, and it doesn't have to be the whole farm, but a couple years of an intense effort, we can make some dramatic changes, reduce our dependence on herbicide, reduce our dependence on on synthetic fertilizers, even reduce our dependence on fossil fuel, stretch the life of that tractor out. Um, you know, things like integrating livestock. And I know there's a lot of people out there, well, the fence doesn't exist anymore. We haven't had cows on the farm or sheep on the farm and since grandpa was here and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I get that. Those are things to work on. And, and there's tools, we've got tools to do that. We've got the cropland grazing exchange. We've got workshops on how to do that. You don't even have to own them. You don't even have to run them. You might just need to open your land to something like that. And it doesn't have to be for a full season. It doesn't have to be every day all the time. Uh, it, it can only be for, it needs to be for a short period of time. And that can have huge benefits in addition to rebuilding the soil ecosystem to access those nutrients, to capture all that water, or at least get some of that water that we've had too much of in the last few years to, to move through the system without running off and creating a problems for our neighbors and people downstream, um, we can create that system and reduce our dependency on there. We can become more of that independent farmer that we like to pride ourselves to be. Given the circumstances, you sound like you have a lot of optimism. Um, you know, there, there's hard days ahead, no doubt about it. And, and change is difficult, it's cumbersome, it's awkward, it's scary, it's uncertain. I don't want to belittle that, um, but I do want to encourage people that there are opportunities out there. And again, hard resets uh, both bring and require us to make change. And and human history, even in our even in our personal lives, it often takes a, a difficult, a very very difficult thing to happen for us to stop because our human tendency is to put our head down and do what we did yesterday or last week or last year because it sort of kind of worked. I'm still alive. We're still here. And, and these hard, hard things come up again, personally or globally, as we're experiencing now. And I think a lot of people are experiencing both, um, especially on the farm. Um, it, it, it's, it's either going to force us to, to move to something different or change to something different. And, and that's just the reality of what it is. And so I hope to encourage people that there's, there's resources out there to help make this happen that, that are just mind boggling. And I encourage you to take full advantage of those. Like Lord Kelvin, the, the famous Kelvin who came up with the Kelvin temperature scale said, with every problem, there's an opportunity. And this may be the opportunity. You know, SFA's got programs on, we, we've been doing programming the last couple of years, just for example, on garlic and asparagus. Not that everybody's going to run out there to do it, but the profit potential per acre on those crops is quite high. And so even setting aside 
you know, a few thousand square feet could be a game changer uh, for your farm and your community. Doing custom grazing of livestock, they don't have to be yours. Just renting those acres out. You know, last year we had a lot of prevent plant acres in throughout the Midwest because it was so wet. Hopefully we don't have that again this year. But taking advantage of something like prevent plant acres to rebuild soil biology and in doing so, taking time to learn about how you can throttle back and what to look for to decide if you can throttle back on fertility inputs the next year. Tell us a bit more about the resources available to farmers who might be considering some of the things that you're talking about and what they look like during a pandemic. Two weeks ago, I was a part of a series of conference calls and everybody was just struggling with this, with this reshuffle that we're going through. How are we going to continue our programming? How are we going to continue to provide information, timely information to farmers? You know, and there was discussions about webinars and everything else. And Katie, it was amazing. It was amazing. The sheer volume of online content that's being generated, not only while we speak, but in the next scheduled in the next few months, because some organizations are canceling things through the fall right now, just, just to be safe, just mm -hmm. to be prudent. Um, because they think this is going to go on for a while because we just, we just don't know. Um, but just, just the sheer volume, there's never been a time when there's been more information, readily available information to farms. No, we might not have the field days this year. And, and, and I'm going to miss those. I'm going to miss those. And a lot of us are going to miss those, but that doesn't mean we can't continue to learn and grow. And there's people you can talk to. There's webinars. Some of these webinars have hour-long Q&A sessions. Right. And it's, it's exciting to hear um, the amount of resources that you're talking about and the conversations that people are having that are using kind of all this energy that maybe we have pent up at home and using it <laughs> yes. to <laughs> yes. In a you know, positive move things way. forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's almost... It's almost beautiful that right now we have this technology. I think if this would have happened 15 or 20 years ago, I mean, the best we maybe could have done was um, conference calls. You know, it's, it's, we have Zoom. We've got this very high-speed internet for, I mean, it's not, not everybody has it. I know people who struggle with that, and that's still an issue. But just look at this technology having the things we can do, and, and can we use it as a force for positive change, for a force for good? I think we can, and that's what we hope to do uh, through SFA uh, with the work we're doing and many of our other partners uh, that, 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 that share in moving uh, regenerative agriculture forward are looking to do the same thing. And, uh, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the volume. Uh, even, even if things were to flip around and get back to quote unquote normal, whatever that's going to look like, just to have all these online resources available for us for the next few years is very exciting. Well, today we focused a lot on the changes and opportunities presented to farmers. Do you have any thoughts for people who don't farm? You know, one big opportunity I think out there is, you know, growing some of your own food. We've talked about that already. But what if you live in town? What if you live in town? Grow a garden, even if you're not a farm. Even if you are a farmer, I'm surprised. And I do a lot of windshield time in rural Minnesota. How many farms don't even have a garden? You know, what are you producing for yourself? 
Um, and, I, and I know garden supplies and garden seeds are flying off the shelves right now. And that's very encouraging. And I hope we're doing it for the right reason. Um, uh, and, and those are great intents. And maybe for some people, you have visions of your grandparents' quarter acre garden and grandma and grandpa out there in the, you know, the sun with the hoe and they got them nice straight rows and there's not there's nothing growing in between those rows. And, and then they're in the kitchen shucking peas and shucking corn and they're canning tomatoes and sweats pouring off them as they're doing this. And you're thinking, oh, good grief. I don't have the skills. I don't have the equipment. I don't have that much sweat in me to make this work. That's okay. You can still do it. And you don't need a tiller. You don't need a huge yard. There's many, many things you can grow. Um, a long list of things you can grow. Think about things like Wind, wind, uh, windowsill gardening or micro gardening, microgreens in your own kitchen or container gardening. You, you can grow like 25 to 35, 40, 50 pounds of potatoes in an old garbage can. It doesn't take a huge outlay of cash. It doesn't take a huge outlay of labor. And hey, if you're sitting around home because, you know, this shelter in place thing we got going, what a great opportunity. Maybe engage your kids a little bit. Give them each their own container to grow a tomato plant or a couple sunflowers or even some potatoes or whatever and work through it as a family. Again, it's an opportunity. It's getting back to those basics, family and community, food and faith uh, that, we, that history always seems uh, that people tend to gravitate to when, when we have a major reset like we're dealing with now. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, Kent. Do you have any final thoughts for us? One of the beauties of the regenerative ag movement is people's willingness to share information. Okay, I, I've been involved with this movement for over 30 years now, um, well over 30 years. And that has always, always, always impressed me. Always impressed me. The cards aren't held very tight to the vest. People are willing to really share what they're doing. And they're willing to share their warts and their mistakes too, because they know that that's going to help you. And, and they know that somebody else, I just think of my own self and our own farm here, you know, people were willing to share with us. And that's what got us to where we are. And, and every year we're learning more. Every day we're learning more. Every month there's new research coming out to support this stuff, it seems like. And so one of the things I'm hoping, Katie, that we could do in this podcast over the next weeks and months as we handle and bring up topics seasonally, we can offer tips and hints and ideas on, on, and interview other farmers who are doing stuff, giving you ideas, building on the information that's out there um, to help encourage one more farm, one more farmer to move from being heavily dependent on the system um, that, that, that right now is exhibiting itself to be highly broken. We're just experiencing that around the world right now in many ways and shapes and forms and becoming more independent. Well, that sounds like a plan to me. And I agree. I'm not a farmer in that willingness to share, that generosity with knowledge, the transparency. That's always been extremely compelling to me. It's a real, we all do better when we all do better kind of thing. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's, it's just so true. Dirt Rich is produced by the Sustainable Farming Association. We believe agriculture done well heals. For more resources or to tap into the Farmer to Farmer Network, visit sfi-mn.org.